following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. So, we're diving into the Psalms um, for the, the season of Lent. So we're going to take a Psalm a week, so a chapter of the book of Psalms, we're just going to walk through it. The Psalms, you can eat like the most easily found book in the Bible. If you open it up to the middle, there are the Psalms. Now, the Psalms have different writers. They have different folks who did it, but mainly it's David is the most famous psalmist. So David as warrior, singer, songwriter, and he makes it into the book, right? Like, so here are all his songs. And so for centuries, the people of God have sang these psalms, have read these psalms in connection to who God is. And what we want to do is pull some out to give you examples of different type of psalms that we will encounter. So today we're going to be in Psalm 46. But before we dive into the psalm, I want to invite you in a little bit into how my brain works, which can be a bit of a scary space. So it'll be quick, I promise. So growing up, we said, a prayer before we ate and a prayer after we ate. And the prayer before we ate was the common table prayer. Come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. And then everyone ends it differently, right? Everyone kind of has their own. It was always fun at like daring gatherings. Everyone kind of mumbled the end of the prayer because people said different things. But those weren't the things that threw me off. The thing that I didn't realize until I was older that we weren't praying Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Because we said it every day. And I thought, I literally was like, spee must be some word like thy or thou that I just don't understand yet as a kid. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. And honestly, I'm not going to tell you how long I thought that was true because it's pretty embarrassing. It was last week. But growing up, I thought... This is this weird word until I asked someone, so what does spee mean in this prayer? And I forget who it was that looked at me and was like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, come Lord Jesus, spee our guest. What does that mean? They're like, you mean come Lord Jesus, be our guest? I was like, no, 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 spee. They're like, right, be. I was like, yeah, I hear you, spee. And they're like, no, 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 be. And all of a sudden, this switch flipped in my brain. I was like, oh, no. because we prayed it every day, and I honestly thought it was, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. It broke my heart a little bit to have to pray, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, after I had this long transition, but it was because I put those words so close together. So it just came out, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, because there was food on the table, right? And the Lord doesn't want us to eat cold food. But so that transformed a bit of who I was. This week, as we look at Psalm 46, we're going to go through it. I want to share with you kind of this transformational moment that comes in the midst of this psalm. Because this psalm is actually, a lot of it is well known. It's not Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, we're going to get there. Don't worry. But Psalm 23 is kind of the most famous, but this one has some verses that are well known. So I want us to, if you have a Bible app or you have a Bible with you, Psalm 46. And what we're gonna do today is we're just gonna walk our way through this psalm. 
So Psalm 46, verse, and I want to break it down in pieces, in chunks. Because as you saw Emily reading today, there was one word at the end of certain sections, and here you see it, Selah, or Selah. There's a lot of different ideas about what exactly this means, but you got to remember this was written as music. So what we think that is, and what we're pretty sure is it's both like maybe a hallelujah, but also like it's sheet music. It's, you know, if you've ever been in band, it's like a forte or, you know, it's a note. And what it shows and denotes is like, here's this section. So it's like, okay, you've made it here, Selah, right? So let's look here at verses one through three. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Listen, we could just spend all today, like I could just stop right now and be like, let's just all let that sink in for the next 20 minutes. And all the extroverts are like, please God, no. And all the introverts are like, finally, this guy's gonna be quiet and I can be alone with my thoughts. But those three verses hold so much power. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. And I love too this, therefore, therefore we will not fear. And notice what happens next. We will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So God is our ever-present help, our strength, and we're not gonna fear even though all this might happen. Now I want you to think, if this happened in front of you, how are you feeling? Right, this bottom half, the ocean gives way. This week I saw screenshots that people had built these multi-million dollar mansions on cliffs in California. And of course, what are these cliffs doing? Eroding, right, three mansions are hanging off the edge of these cliffs. And I thought, they didn't go to Sunday school. <laughs> Wise man built his house upon the rock. Wise man, foolish man built his house upon the sand. Could have solved that for them. But I thought for a moment about how would I feel if that was my house? I'm standing at the beach looking up going, what am I gonna do? And so here the psalmist writes and he says, though the earth give way, Though the mountains be moved, God is our ever-present help. Let's look at the next set of verses here. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. So here we have first this idea in the first section about how God is our ever-present help. He's our strength. He's our fortress. And now the psalmist continues saying, listen, not only is that he's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. One of my favorite places to be is sitting next to a crystal clear river because I grew up in Houston, Texas, 
where every river is brown. And you just wish, like, people like rivers. Why do they like them? It's mud. And then you come up to central Texas and you go, oh, because rivers can be pretty. And you don't sink a foot deep when you step into them. But just think about that, that picture of this crystal clear river moving in, but then it breaks apart and its tributaries are moving through the city. When we got to spend some time in Germany a couple years ago, we were in some of these cities where because of how they were built in the Middle Ages, everything is packed on top of a river. And you just go, because that's where the nutrients were. That's where sustenance was. That's where refreshment was. And I just think about that, this city with the river going in and its tendrils moving out and providing that refreshment. And so here this is, the psalmist says, just like a river would flow into a city and all of its streams would bring that necessary refreshment, so too is our God. And he flows into the city, the city of God. He is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help when morning dawns. That moment when the sun comes up and it's like hope is restored and here it is that God shows up and boom, hope is there. Come behold the works of the Lord. And now things, oh, sorry, I got into the next section there. Stop, we'll get there in a second. Stop rushing me, everybody. But this is, things get a little weird here, right? The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. So we go from this refreshing river to a voice that can destroy, that nations will melt, things will fall apart. But notice this capstone of these verses. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So two things. Whenever you're looking in an English translation of the Bible, and it has Lord in all caps, see there in verse seven, all caps, what's being signified here is this is the name of God, Yahweh, I am. And so the scribes in ancient times, didn't want to take the name of the Lord in vain, so they replaced it with Lord, and over time, as it came to us, we got this, this all caps, that's the signifier. So what you're reading here is the Hebrew, Yahweh Sabaoth. And I've talked about this before, but this is literally God, the commander of the armies of heaven. So I am who commands the armies of heaven, is with us. This same God of Jacob, our forefather, is our fortress. And it continues in the next section like this. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So we get that capstone again. Now this is a fascinating thing, right? Because here we have God as our fortress, 
right against all these things, perfect. Then we have God as the refreshment, but then we get, ah, he's a little bit of the destroyer. And now we get, oh, this is what he can do. And let me read you kind of the Ted's modern version here of what this would look like. Come behold the works of the Lord. He has brought desolation on the earth. Kind of strange. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the gun. He shatters the missile. He burns the tanks with fire. What you're reading here, the bow, the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. These are the top technological military advancements of the day. And so it's declaring God has power even over those. And then we get this verse, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And out of this section of scripture, I think verse one and verse 10 are probably the two that are most known. So verse one, God is our refuge and fortress, our ever-present help in times of trouble. And then here, be still and know that I am God. I mean, even to the point, I use a, a Christian meditation app some mornings called Abide. And when you open it up, it just says, be still. And it has, you know, Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. And that's how I had known it my whole life. I even can remember the song that one of our children's ministers made up for a VBS when I was in high school and she had me sing a part. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And it was like this round that she got all the kids doing. It was like, yeah, we just got to chill out and be still. This was be our guest. Because this week as I was diving into this saying, How does verse 10 fit into this? Because we have God as a fortress, God as a sustainer, but now there's all this desolation. Why are we talking about desolation? And then we talk about, okay, yeah, he can destroy these things. And like, it's like, it's building up to like, he's gonna break the bow and shatter the spear. But then it's like, yeah, slow down and know that I'm God. You just gotta take a deep breath, right? And then as I was diving into this, I came across this quote. Be still. Detest from making war upon Jehovah's Zion and know that I am God, the God of the church, the only true God. I will be exalted among the heathen, the great victor on the field of encounter. I will be exalted in the earth, even the enemies being obliged to acknowledge his glory and his majesty, forced to give him the honor due him as the ruler of the universe. I had read this psalm for so many years as a patchwork, trying to understand how this all fit together. And all of a sudden, sitting at my desk on a Saturday, when I read this quote, and I, it changed something in me. Because all of a sudden, this whole psalm made sense because I had been reading it for me and then it realized that it was for the church. Because you see, when you read verse 10, it's not saying, yeah, just listen, slow down. You're too busy. You just gotta be still and know that I am God. No, give me verse 10 again there. Can you give me the next slide, guys? So be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the earth. So I thought, that's God telling me, slow down, be still. No, this is 
Yahweh Sabaoth, the commander of the armies of heaven, standing in front of the city of God, which is the church, and he is beating his shield against the enemies that are roaring and foaming and trying to attack. And he is standing in front of them and he is saying, be still, I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You see, what I thought for years had been God telling me to stop being so busy. I was trying to own it and saying, you're right, Lord, I just gotta slow down and be still. And don't get me wrong, you do need to do those things. We all need to do those things. But I read myself into it instead of realizing he is speaking to the church and he is standing out front and saying, the world rages against us, but I am God. And he stands there and declares this. When he says, be still and know it is an imperative second person. He's saying, you over there, be still and know that I am God. And now if we start working backwards through this psalm, we can start seeing what's happening because if we start here and say, this is the Lord standing before his people, standing in front and saying, listen, these are my people. You who would rage against us, be still and know that I am God. If that's what he is saying, then we can go backwards and we can say the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. His voice, his, he utters his voice and the earth melts. Well, now all of a sudden we realize those attacks against the people of God. when God utters, are melted away. We can read the river, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And then notice how the city of God is referred to as her. And the church is the bride of Christ. You see the city of God in the Old Testament is the church of the New Testament. So when God stands before and in front of his church and says, be still and know that I am God, what he is declaring is he is declaring those forces that would come against us, be still and know I am the protector. And not only that, he then turns around and looks at his people and says, and I will refresh you. I will give you sustenance and I will give you strength. And then verse one becomes something a little bit different because then as we read verse one, which again says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength. Well, where is God? He is out in front of his people. So often what we want to do is we read that and we go, that's right, let's circle up the wagons Let's build our towers higher. Let's keep everyone out. But instead, God is leading a charge of his people saying, no, come with me. I lead you out. You are with me. You see, when he stands in front of the church, calling out and declaring that he is the one, that be still and know that I am God, he is declaring that for the wounded, the broken, the church that comes in his wake. The temptation we would have is to start naming the enemies as people of this world. 
But you see what happens is that the church is made up of people of this world. And in fact, this is a call for the church to advance. There's a term we use in theology called the church militant, which sounds really dangerous because it is. But when we talk about the church militant, what we don't want to think about is the church as a military, but instead the church on the move. That we as the people of God, when it says that God dwells in the city of God, okay, where does God dwell now? Wherever he dwells, that makes it the city of God. Okay, well, where is that? Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with you. You want to see the city of God today? It's got drop ceilings and a little bit of light and some TVs. You could go to a lot of different places this morning. Some that would look like us, some that wouldn't. Some in ancient structures built so beautifully and magnificently and some meeting under trees. And this is the church militant. Not militarily against others, but instead a church that says, listen, if God is our refuge and strength, then we trust and we go. We don't huddle up and hide, but instead we are a broken people who trust that God is our refuge. And if God is our refuge and he is standing before us, beating back the enemy in front of us, then why are we staying still? because he's not telling us to be still. He's telling the enemies. As we're told in scripture, those enemies are not of flesh and blood. The enemy is those who would work in the principalities, the, the attack, the enemy, the liar who comes at us. So we as the church militant on the move are about following behind and alongside and with the king who stands in front of the enemy, who foams and rages and says, you aren't good enough. You will be destroyed. There's nothing you can do. And the king, the prince of peace, looks at them and he says, be still and know that I am God. That this phrase here is not meant for us, but is instead meant for the enemy. Because you see, we're the church militant until we become the church triumphant. The church militant meaning we are always looking and moving and growing and following the calling of Jesus until he comes again. And Psalm 46 is this blessed psalm for the church. Because our temptation will be to stop, to build our walls higher. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I am your refuge and strength. Your ever-present help in times of trouble. And so he calls us and he invites us. And we have nothing to fear because this enemy that foams and rages against us, he stands out there and he says, be still. And know that I am God. I want you to take a moment and think. What are the lies the enemy is speaking into your life? Where are the places where he is trying to claim your identity? 
as a beloved child of God? Where are the places where the world is pulling at you? And Jesus is saying, no, come back. Come back to me. And I want you to put that visual between you and those things where the enemy would try and say, you aren't good enough. How could you be saved? How could God ever love you? And I want you to see the Savior on the cross, holes in his hands, wearing the brilliant armor of God as the commander of heaven, standing between you and those lies, saying, be still. Because that is what he is doing for all of us today. The good news of Jesus that we find in these passages is that when we can't be good enough, when we think we've fallen away, when we think he just wants to toss us aside, he is standing for us against our enemy, saying, be still and know. He is declaring his power against those things. And I can tell you that because I read this psalm, read that quote, and I wept sitting at my desk on a Saturday afternoon because I needed to finish my sermon. <laughs> this was not some holy appointed time. I wasn't on a big retreat. I wasn't, hadn't gotten away. No, I just sat there and read and listen, I pulled this Krenzman commentary because it was the only commentary I had that had the Psalms in it. And here's this quote that in my life in the church has now transformed me. And I'd love to tell you that it was perfect. That all of a sudden the Lord took hold and I was like, this will never change. Two hours later, here's anxiety, here's lies, here's the enemy. <clears throat> now listen, I wish God works in foolish ways, all right? And this is a foolish way, but I'm gonna own it for the kingdom of God. Because two hours later, as I was feeling some anxiety, as I was struggling with something, as I was thinking about some things, and I'm hearing that, well, you're not good enough. You know, you need to figure this out. I did the Wordle yesterday, and I kid you not, the Wordle was psalm. And so here I am, sitting there, feeling some worry about something in my life, about some things I hadn't done, you know, and then you start letting like the intrusive thoughts get in and going like, when I was in ninth grade, I did this thing. And how could I have done that thing, right? Like, and here it is attacking. And it was like, the Lord was like, you're an idiot. Now, listen, do I think Jesus came down and like sat on the shoulder of like the person who made the wordle yesterday? Like, no, I don't think that. Could he have? Sure. Hunsaker's out here going, oh yeah, he did. <laughs> but here's what I know and I trust. It doesn't matter because in that moment, the spirit broke through to me. We talk about the hidden and revealed God. Listen, I'm not saying like I heard this, I saw this and all of a sudden I had like the Lord spoke to me. No, it was like he was going, listen, go back to my word. You wanna know when God's speaking to you, when something hits you and you go back to his word. 
And so in this moment, as I'm sitting in this Psalm, as it has just flipped this light switch, and two hours later, I have immediately become the Israelite people going, it was better in Egypt, right? Here comes the Holy Spirit going, come back. It was two hours ago, you dum-dum. Because here's the thing. I want to walk with all of you as the church militant. That I want us to be known as a people who walk out of this place knowing that when we leave these doors, in fact, as we stand here, Jesus is amongst us and he walks out in front of us going, let's go. It's time. Listen, are you afraid of sharing your faith? Same. Are you afraid of losing this connection you have with the Lord? Same. Are you afraid that you're not good enough? Same. So here's the thing. God is your refuge and help. Yahweh Sabaoth stands between you and the enemy who is telling those lies and says, I am God and these are my people. And you don't mess with my people. Here's the encouragement I want to give you. First for us as a church and then for you individually. First for us as a church, let's be bold. And you want to know the first person that scares? Your pastor. But let's be bold. Let's be known for loving our neighbors as ourselves. Let's be known for following the ways of Jesus. Let's be known as the lead repenters. And let's be known as a people that says, wherever we go, the kingdom is with us and the king stands at the head. And for you individually, I wanna take a moment to say, I don't know what is hitting you in your life right now. Your life may be incredible. You might be in the valley. You might be somewhere in between. You might be struggling. But let me tell you this. The king who stepped off his throne to come down to our planet, to our earth, to die for you, now stands in his glory before you and before the things that would come for you and says, be still and know that I am God. And take encouragement as you hear the king saying that. Because the king who looks at the enemy and says, be still and know that I am God, looks at you and says, you are my friend. The commander of the armies of heaven who has wrath and vengeance to pour out upon the accuser has love and grace to bestow on you. So live in that hope. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Lord, you are our hope. Let us not separate ourselves, but instead be the church that moves out. Let us be known as a people that love our neighbors, that follows where our king leads. May we be 
refreshed by you. And Lord, as the world attacks, as the world comes after us, may we return again and again to the truth that you stand between us and the arrows of the foe that you break his bow and shatter his spear, that you cause wars to cease. Lord, may we rejoice that you stand in front of us, protecting us and in power, declaring to the enemy, be still and know that I am God. And Lord, may we bask in the glory and goodness of that statement that the King of Heaven says that on our behalf as his people. In your son Jesus' name, amen.